right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where stop picking your nose because the picks are in, and it turns out they may have been traded. Oh no, not again. (laughs) Oh wait, but maybe a pick is coming back? Well, we'll see. Because in this year's 2023 NBA draft, the Lakers have a lot of options to mull over as it pertains to picking their pick or trading their pick or trading down, whether that means trading the pick altogether or trading it for a later pick. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. And today we are specifically talking hypothetical draft day trades for the Lakers at number 17. Before we go any deeper into any of our trade hypotheticals, though, please make sure to check out our NBA Draft Deep Dive episode with No Ceilings, Albert Gim. He is an expert in this year's 2023 NBA Draft, and that episode will essentially be your comprehensive draft guide to the prospects in this year's draft. So make sure to check out that episode. Just look in our queue for it. And if you have the time, please rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. Or simply just go on the Spotify app, search up Lakers Legacy Podcast, and give us a five-star thumb tap at the top left of our page, and we would very greatly appreciate it. All right, let's get into trades. Hey, Tommy. Coco5, what up? (laughs) Coco5, what's going on? Have you tried Coco5, by the way? I have not. I don't even know what it is. is. Is it an energy drink or what? I'm not even sure what's in it. I thought it was just like a flavored water or like a sports drink Uh, or something. He should have done something with ice in his veins or something more connected to that. Coco Five, it doesn't. I, I need to research this. I have no idea what Coco Five is. Anyways, I think it's like Denver Devin Booker's company. But yeah, go ahead. Wait, are you serious? Well, they're. I sorry, it's not his company, but they're both like big investors in it. Oh, okay. See, I had wondered whether D'Lo and Devin Booker were even friends. Still, I had heard there was some sort of rift, but maybe uh, they I'm are tight. still friends. Yeah. Who knows? Okay. Um, anyways, today we are going to be talking about some draft day trades. Now, I had spoken to you previously, and you mentioned you want to keep this pick, this number 17 pick that the Lakers have, because it's a pretty deep draft in terms of gaining any sort of value you can get past the lottery. And so the Lakers are in a good spot. I want them to keep the pick. Having said that, this team has title aspirations with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and we cannot close the door on them trading that pick. Now, I think a perfect hedge in the middle would be the Lakers trading that pick, but trading a few spots back and still getting a first rounder. So today we're going to look at some trade options surrounding the number 17 pick. Tommy, I'm going to give you some options that have have us getting a later pick coming back in the first round, and I'm also going to give you some options of the Lakers not getting any pick and where that line is drawn in terms of at what point are the Lakers okay just surrendering that first round pick and what type of player needs to come back to us where we're comfortable surrendering that first round pick without getting another first back in return. So those are the kind of the two categories I'm going to throw at you. Before I start though, I do want to add some caveats because if the Lakers want to trade Mo Bamba's non-guaranteed $10 million contract, They actually have to guarantee his contract to a certain amount if they want to use it as salary ballast. So it is not the money-saving tool for another team that I initially thought it would be because the team taking on Bamba can't just then cut Bamba's non-guaranteed $10 million and save $10 million. They will be on for however much Bamba was guaranteed for in the trade swap between this team and the Lakers. So let's say the Lakers trade for Caruso. 
Caruso is making $9.4 million. If the Lakers use Mo Bamba in that trade, they would have to guarantee Bamba's contract up to about, I don't know, $7.8 million or so in order to match salaries. Oh, I didn't realize it was that much. It's pretty much like matching trade salaries, right? I think, I think it's within 125% or something like that. Is that the same for Beasley? Well, he's a team option. So I just thought there was a oh, little bit of a difference in terms of like, he's non-guaranteed, so we'll pay him like 300K and then you take him on and you can decide whether or not to pay the rest of his $10 million or just cut him. But apparently you have to guarantee Bamba's contract. Let's say we're taking back a $5 million player, then you only have to guarantee Bamba's contract up to $4 million. But in my Caruso example, Caruso is making 9.4. So you have to guarantee Bamba's contract up to like, the minimum amount that you need to match Caruso's salary. Does that make sense? So yeah. for Bamba, it's probably like $7.8 million. And so the Bulls would essentially save a little bit of money. You know, they'd save like $1.5 million in that swap. And because Caruso is on for the next year, he's on for two more years, even though it's non-guaranteed, I guess they save more money that way. So it would save a team money if they're trading away a multi-year contract player and taking on Bamba's expiring, but that team won't just be able to get $10 million in free money by waiving Bamba, is my point. So now bringing Beasley into this equation, let's say the Lakers are trading Bamba and Beasley's $16 million expiring. So in total, that's, that's $27 million outgoing from our end. That means the Lakers can take back a $27 to $28 million player. Let's say that the Lakers find that type of player. Given the new CBA and repeater tax luxury constraints, Tommy, if the Lakers trade Beasley, Bamba, and the number 17 pick for a $28 million player, at that point, I would not expect D'Angelo Russell to be back. Because you would assume that they'd retain Reeves and Rui, who I think are very retainable, especially since Reeves' first two years are capped at like $11 million. And then Rui, you kind of know his price point. It's like $15 million probably. Yeah. But it's D'Angelo Russell who's potentially going to make anywhere from $22 to $28 million. And if you, if you are using Beasley and Bamba to take back a $28 million player, we kind of just have to view that as D'Angelo Russell's replacement. Because I don't think that they're then going to also re-sign D'Angelo Russell after that because I think that would push them right at the second luxury tax apron at that point. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you see it happening that way too? Or is there a scenario where you could envision, oh, the Lakers brought back like $28 million X. Let's say it's Gordon Hayward. I don't know why they would bring back Gordon Hayward. But let's say they bring back Gordon Hayward and they're like, cool, we got Gordon Hayward, and we're going to re-sign D'Angelo Russell to, let's say D'Angelo Russell has sunk his value enough to $22 million. I still think that would be too much. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. Yeah, so those are the caveats I want to throw out there. So just assume in a lot of these trades, especially if it involves Beasley and Bamba, that likely means D'Angelo Russell is gone. We're going to have to kind of pick and choose here. But with that said, let me throw out some trade packages to you involving the number 17 pick and... Mo Bamba, mainly, maybe Beasley's in some of these, but mainly number 17 pick and Mo Bamba with a later pick coming back to us. So in the previous episode, I had thrown out, I had thrown out two trades, one with the Brooklyn Nets and one with the Indiana Pacers. You said you would be down for those types of trades, but I wanted to get more, more of your succinct thoughts on those actual deals. So the first one I threw out last episode that we talked about the draft was Mo Bamba, 
number 17 pick for Brooklyn's number 22 pick. I think they have 21 and 22 this draft. Let's say it's Mo Bamba, number 17 pick for number 22 and Royce O'Neal. Maybe you can get Dorian Finney-Smith. I doubt it. But let's say it's Mo Bamba, number 17 for 22 and Royce O'Neal. The Lakers think they can still get their player at number 22. Would you, do you like that type of deal? Yeah, I mean, to swap down five spots and get a player, I won't say like at a position of need more than Bamba because we don't have any other centers other than Bamba and AD right now, but like you can replace, you can figure something out there. But Royce O'Neal is like a legit, like, you know, bigger, stronger, like three and D wing. And and if you're only dropping five spots, I, I think you had to do something like that. Yeah, so would I. So the other trade I proposed was one with Indiana. So let's say for this one, it's Mo Bamba, Malik Beasley, and the number 17 pick for Buddy Heald, who's making $18 million next year, Jalen Smith, who's making $5 million next year, and the Pacers' number 26 or number 29 pick, preferably the number 26 pick. Now, again, in this scenario, that likely means D'Angelo Russell is gone, so keep that in mind, but let's say it's Mo Bamba, Malik Beasley, and a first for Heald, Jalen Smith, and number 26. Would you I do that? still do that, because I think Heald is like on a completely different... I mean, he's just totally different caliber of player compared to Beasley. He's much more consistent and elite as a shooter, and he's not nearly as bad defensively, which... I mean, look, he's not known for his defense, but Beasley is that bad <laughs> defensively, in my opinion. Um, and and again, if you can't rely, the thing about Beasley, right, and it has always been this thing, he's like a firecracker. Like, you just don't really know what you're going to get. Like, he's going to keep, he'll either come out, he's going to, he's going to shoot it, right? But he'll either come out and just drain three, four shots in a row, or he'll just brick everything. Heald is mm-hmm. a lot more consistent and is not just a three-point shooter, which I think is a big, big thing that we've seen in this, like, Darvin Ham offense. Like, you need guys who can do put the ball on the ground and do some other things, especially when their shot isn't falling, and healed, I think, would thrive. Um, I think that, again, it's such a big upgrade um, that I think, you know, you can live with the the swap down and then just draft Jaime Jaquez uh, <laughs> with your pick in the <laughs> mid-20s. Yeah, and then the Jalen Smith throw-in is to help Indiana save a little bit of money because they'd be getting two expirings back, and then Jalen Smith is on for two more years. He has a player option in 24-25 for $5 million, and maybe you take a flyer on him. Having said that, I think then you would also do the revised version of this deal where, because technically you can just do this deal with Beasley alone, Beasley and the number 17 pick for Buddy Heald, and Maybe you get the Pacers 29. You definitely say yes to that, right? Because I think there's a scenario where if you trade Beasley in the first for Buddy Heald and the 29th pick, I think we have enough room to also re-sign D'Angelo Russell. So obviously you'd say yes to that, right? Yeah. Cool. Okay, so now on to some newer trades involving the number 17 pick. What about, here's where it gets kind of weird, Tommy. Maybe not weird. What would you say to... Mo Bamba, Shaq Harrison, just for the salary ballast, the number 17 pick to the Utah Jazz for yes. Kelly Olinick and the Jazz's number 28 pick this year. What do you think? 
Okay, here's the thing. I'm super, super high on Kelly Olenek. I think he's great. Okay. I think he's like an analytical like god. Like he uh-huh. he can hit threes. He's really underrated defensively. Like I honestly guarding on the perimeter, he he's much better than you'd expect. He's good defending in the paint. He's physical. He can take hits. All right, goddamn man. He shoots threes <laughs> like a wing. But I just like that is a pretty Sorry, remind me say that the pick again that we would we would swap in this scenario. Uh number 17 for number 28. For 28, I just here's my my main issue is like when it comes like it's there's an 82 game season which is a factor and I think Kelly Olynyk would be great and he kind of does exactly what we need um from a big man in 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 ham system but just like in general to fit with with AD. My issue with dropping like 12, 11 spots or whatever with this draft pick is like Kelly Olynyk is like a five to 10 minute player in the playoffs at best because we're going to be playing AD at the, at the five. And although he can stretch a little bit, you, you know, we've seen it with Wait, Denver. five to 10 minutes. Okay. I don't, I don't uh, know. Let, let me just say it. we've, we've seen it with Denver. We've seen it with Golden State. We probably would have seen it, you know, with Memphis if they were like, you know, I guess Memphis is like a little bit different because of their size when they're fully healthy. But like the strategy against a LeBron and AD team is run us off the court. Kelly Olynyk doesn't help us in that regard. Like if Kelly Olynyk was on this team right now, he would be playing five to ten minutes. I don't think we would be playing him with AD significant minutes because it's just going to, you know, for example, in the Denver series or in the, especially in the Golden State series, like they're going to take their run us off the court strategy and just put that into hyperdrive. LeBron is going to be 39 years old next year. I just to drop 12 spots. I know this draft is deep and, and you know, the scouts are going to understand, I guess, like how much of an impact that makes. But I think like given the types of big athletic wings we can get at 17, I just don't, it, it, it's like we have to be getting a sure thing like rotation player against any team, not just like, you know, if we had Olenek, it would be helping us slightly right now against Denver, right? Like, I think it has to be a, it has to be more of an impact. OK, can I assuage your fears, though? So yeah. on top of the fact that this draft is very deep and I still think the Lakers can get who they want to get at the number 28 pick. For one thing, it helps the Lakers financially, right? Because moving from number 17 to 28 in terms of the salary that you have to give that player is already less, right? So true, that any true. money saved luxury tax-wise helps. True. On top of it, Kelly Olynyk may just be, Tommy, a 82-game player, but also additional salary ballast that will be more useful than Mo Bamba. I would rather have Kelly Olynyk in 82 games with a potential to flip him at the trade deadline than Mo Bamba. So that's why I would do it. Yes, you're sacrificing 11 spots, but it may end up helping the entire team in terms of the financial decisions they have to make anyways, you know? So that's why I would do it. And everything that you said about Kelly Olynyk, I think it's going to factor in an 82-game season when I'm not sure if AD and LeBron James can do this again, right? And Kelly Olynyk has more of the skills to be able to do that than sticking or staying with Mo Bamba. So that's why I would do it. Okay, moving on. Quickly, what are your thoughts on number 17, Mo Bamba, Shaq Harrison for the Kings, Rashawn Holmes, and the number 24th pick, which the Kings have this year? Rashawn Holmes is on for two more years at around $12 million, but this kind of seems like a lateral move. But yeah, what are your thoughts? I think I actually like this move, dude. And I don't know if it's just because, like, I don't think if it's... I think, you know, you've been the one who's been sort of 
you know, sneakily telling me, reminding me on the side that like Rashawn Holmes isn't even playing for like the Kings. So I, I feel like this is like, yeah. but he's good, dude. Like he, I mean, he's certainly be much better than any backup big we've had. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, during the LeBron AD year. So I think I, I kind of like these types of moves because Rashawn Holmes is like a product of like the prior regime. I mean, it might've been the same management, mm-hmm. but it was pre Mike Brown. Mike Brown has clearly decided who his who his group is. I think these these types of scenarios that you're identifying are really interesting because it's like you find someone who's probably going to be undervalued a little bit because of the circumstance that just was out of their control, which is like a new coach took over and they decided to play a different way. I think you're getting a really valuable player in that in that draft with in Rashawn Holmes, who, you know, again, I Maybe he can't play with AD in the playoffs, but he's a he's a body and he's a really, really good player. Um, and he can do things for you really on both ends, but especially offensively as just like another guy who, you know, to throw into the paint, who can play with some athleticism and touch around the rim. I, I just think that, you know, I would want to dig into his defense a little bit more, to be honest, before I commit. But just just hearing it right now, I think I would do something like that. Okay, you've sold me. I'll do it too. And it's just a seven-slot seven, seven slot bump down to 24. And if the Lakers think they're still going to get their player at that spot, then why not get the more reliable Rashawn Holmes and you don't have to work with Bamba to try and form him into the player you want him to be, right? And Rashawn Holmes is cost-controlled for the next two years anyways. So yeah, I agree. Now, what about going back to the Indiana Pacers? And again, I'm sorry that I'm jumping all over the place. I should have just stuck with the Indiana Pacers when I was there. But what about a lower end spectrum of an Indiana Pacers deal where we trade Bamba and the number 17 pick for TJ McConnell and the number 26 pick. TJ is making like $9 million over the next two years, but that is a cheap cost for a surefire bench point guard who can actually pass, but also plays tough defense. I, I probably, okay, look, I probably still do this. But I'm less certain about this than some of the other trades. I think TJ McConnell is like, I've always been like super high on him. I've always thought he was like sneaky and kind of underrated. Um, he's an elite defender in his own right. And he's a pest. And he's like kind of like Dennis if Dennis was actually like an effective defender, right? Like TJ does the same types of things Dennis tries to do defensively, but he actually like there's results the like tangible results from it. Whereas Dennis is more like an activity. Like I'm just going to make you tired, you know, by full court pressing you. So I like that. I like the playmaking um, that you can rely on with his high assisted turnover ratio. You don't have to worry about him doing completely stupid things, but he is like still at the end of the day, he's six foot one and he is still um, completely worthless offensively. His three point shooting numbers went, his three point shooting numbers went up this year, but it's a volume thing, right? Like, when that guy puts the ball on the ground and takes a jump shot from the mid range, nobody's scared, right? He hit 44% from three this year, obviously by far and away, like a career high, but it's on 0.3 makes per game, right? Like 0.8 attempts per game. So like he, it's just like he has, he's, he's very, very limited than in what he can do. And I worry in, again, in a playoff series, it doesn't matter how good of a defender you are. If you're six foot one, you're going to get picked on in pick and rolls. And I think that that is a concern with him. And for that reason, you know, I don't know that swapping down that many spots to get a player like TJ McConnell, who I, 
who I really, really like, um, I, I still don't think it's, it's necessarily worth it. I think it is. And the difference in, in spite of the fact that he doesn't provide you with what you necessarily want offensively, I could make the same argument for Schroeder. And yeah, but Schroeder's a minimum player. He, he is, but I mean, $9 million for a true backup point guard in TJ, who's younger, and 8.7 points, 3.1 rebounds, 5.3 assists in just 20 minutes, shooting 54% from the field, 44% from three. I would argue that TJ McConnell is more like Rondo, the version we got of Rondo in the championship season, than Dennis Schroeder. So even though he's not spacing the floor the way that you want, I think he has more... He knows how to find ways to be effective with the ball in his hands, playmaking for other people, driving it into the paint than Dennis Schroeder does right now. Because Dennis Schroeder is a scoring guard who can't really score. TJ McConnell is more of like a well-rounded guard that will find a way to be effective and make winning plays regardless of whether or not he's shrinking the floor for you. He's much higher IQ. So when you're making that direct comparison, I agree. There is no comparison. He's a much better player, for especially for the system we're trying to run, than I think Dennis is. I just, I don't, I think that like, again, it's all a give and take, right? When you're thinking about these types of players and that's like, you know, he's limited offensively. I know the stats are what they are, but he, we've seen him play. Like he, when he puts it down on the floor and gets into the mid range, like people are giving him 16 foot jumpers and he frequently misses it. His percentages are high because he's high IQ and he knows where to take his shots. But my point with all that is like, you know what you get defensively with him and you know what you're giving up offensively with him other than the passing, which is a plus. But when you're when you're balancing these pluses and minuses, one of his big pluses, which is defense, I just think is going to be picked on in the playoffs because he's six one. It doesn't matter to me yeah. how good of a defender you are. If you're six one, you're going to get picked on in the playoffs. That's just that's just how it's going to go. So it's like you can work around it if you have more pluses to balance you out. But his plus, one of his big pluses is his defense. So if you take that away, I just feel like he's. Yeah, again, over an 82-game season, fine. He's going to be fantastic for us. I just think like that's the difference between him and Caruso. Although he's a better real true point guard, and he's maybe even higher IQ than Caruso. And on the perimeter, maybe as good of a defender as Caruso at times. But in the playoffs, you can't pick on Caruso the same way you can pick on uh, TJ McConnell because Caruso's 6'5". Yeah, that's fair. And you mentioned that you would do this deal anyways. You're just not excited, as excited about it as other as the other deals that I propose. So yeah. I agree with you. I'm more excited about it than you, but that's fine. Let's take it to break. When we return, let's close this section out of later picks coming back to the Lakers for the number 17 pick. And then let's also look at some trades where no pick comes back to us and what we'd be willing to accept in terms of the type of player in that scenario. So we will catch you guys after the break. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. All right, so we are back. Tommy, let's run through the rest of this list of number 17 pick for a later first-round pick in this year's draft using Bamba or Beasley. We don't need any like deep analysis on these players, but quickly, what are your thoughts on number 17 and Mo Bamba for 
Alec Burks. If the team option on Alec Burks is exercised and the Detroit Pistons let him go, he has a $9 million team option. Let's yeah. say the Detroit Pistons are like, all right, goodbye, Burks. Number 17 in Bamba for Alec Burks. Here is the catch. Alec Burks in the number 31 pick right outside of the first round that the Pistons have. Number 17 in Bamba for Burks and number 31. Do you do that? I don't do it just because Alec Burks is the player that I think has been on our radar for a very long time. His skill set is like kind of, I mean, it, it never hurts to have more of these, like as we've seen this season, these like skilled guards who can just score because it's like when you have a a whole like, you know, bullpen of them, you could just keep throwing bodies out there and see what sticks. But like, again, if we're keeping D'Angelo Russell, which I think we're going to try to do at a reasonable price, we're keeping it Austin Reeves. I don't know that we need another like Alec Burks type player. Like, you know, his, his skill set almost seems a little bit redundant, although he is like, you know, again, he's a very good shooter again, but I, I just don't think that for a 14 spot drop, I don't know that that's worth it. Yeah. That makes me a little bit queasy. I, I incorrectly said that if the Pistons let him off, but in this scenario, they would actually have to exercise their team option. So he's on for $9 million the next season. And so we make that swap for Burks and Bamba. I, I'm not thrilled with it, but I would be okay with it just because I think Alec Burks is 6'6", and he has shown himself to be a very, very reliable three-point shooter in the recent years and also a really solid defender. So he's kind of like what we had wished Lonnie Walker would have been, plus you just add like three more inches. So I wouldn't be mad at it, but I wouldn't be thrilled because of the 14-slot bump, even though there are still guys in this draft that I would like at number 31, but that's probably way too far of a fall. What about... Well, and keep in mind, sorry, and I'll just add one thing, but like mm. when you're looking at first round picks versus second round picks, with the first round pick, at least that you were locked into that like five year, you can't do anything without me involved, right? Like, and at le- with the second round picks, you're looking at shorter timelines too. For sure. Okay. What about number 17 and Mo Bamba for Terrence Mann of the Clippers? No. Oh. Or Robert Covington? plus the number 30 pick that the Clippers have right at the end of the first round. So it's kind of a twofer, either Man or Rocco. Do you like any of those, plus the number 30 pick? I mean, Man, I would uh, absolutely do. I just can't see why the Clippers mm. would do something like that. I think Rocco is more interesting because, like, Clippers fans, like, right, if you've followed them at all this or followed the Clippers run at all this season, like, they're very low on Ty Lu for not giving Rocco more minutes, but... At the end of the day, none of us are in the practice facility, and we don't know. Maybe Rocco is totally cooked. So my concern with Rocco is that he's he, we're thinking of Rocco from four years ago, and literally, I mean, right from like the bubble, like that's the Rocco I would want. But he had years and years of being run into the ground, you know, Mike D'Antoni years, like playing out of position, playing center against bigger guys. Like his body has taken a lot of abuse. I don't know if he's the same player anymore. He's getting older. For Rocco, I'm I'm a little more wary. For Terrence Mann, I think I absolutely do it, but I just don't think the Clippers do. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I do it for Mann in number 30, not for Rocco. I think the Clippers do it if they blow everything up. So um, although if they blow everything up, then you're like, well, why don't they just keep Terrence Mann? Good counter. Because um, Paul George. Because uh, <laughs> Paul George. Oh, yeah, give us Paul George. Uh, what about, again, I'm jumping all over the place. I should have put this in the Pistons section, but... This is a familiar trade, Tommy, but number 17, Mo Bamba, Beasley. Maybe we even need to add the number 47 pick, although I don't think we do. So let's say number 17, Bamba, Beasley to the Detroit Pistons again, but this time 
for Bojan Bogdanovic and the number 31st pick. Would you do that? Mm. No D'Angelo Russell. Oh, actually, no. I think you can still get D'Angelo Russell, maybe. So actually, you don't even need Mobamba. Let me revise this. Number 17, Beasley, Shaq, Harrison for Bojan and the number 31st with the opportunity to still re-sign D'Angelo Russell. In that situation, ooh, this is a tough one. This is probably the toughest one so far. So I, I do... Because you're thinking about defensively? I'm thinking about defensively. So Bojan is like a very, very good player. He's the type of guy who can like, especially in the system. I mean, we've seen guys like him thrive in this like Darvin Ham, Greg Popovich, Mike Budenholzer system, right? Like it feels like the Bucks always have a random dude like Bojan Bogdanovich who can come out and and do things um he will cook offensively defensively right and again when you're thinking about the playoffs where does he slot in we we are stacked with the guards i like meaning i think d'angelo austin deserve heavy minutes especially if we're going to pay d'angelo that's been proven lebron is going to take heavy minutes Rui has like proven himself really on both sides of the floor Bojan is like a little bit of a different player, but like, where does he find his minutes? I mean, if again, just looking at the most recent series in this playoffs, like maybe he helps you against Memphis. I feel like against Golden State, he gets played off the played off the court defensively. I feel like against Denver, he's not enough of a body defensively as a, or as a rebounder to really help you and like utilize his size. He's more of the type of player we needed before we made the rust trade. And now that Reeves has really come into his own as like a legitimate like NBA player and scorer and passer and all, everything he does, like I just I don't need the I don't know that we need that type of player anymore. I feel like at the, again at the seven and you know the draft better than me, but I feel like at the seventeen pick you can get a really nice big athletic wing that I don't know if that type of immediate impact talent is going to be there at thirty one. So I would probably say no on this. Yeah, that's fair. The only reason why I would lean yes is because I again view Bojan as a more attractive piece to later flip at the trade deadline or not. But to your point, maybe he's not even getting the minutes and role that he wants to still be of value, although I think he would be. But um, yeah, I'm not as hyped on that one. Um, What about, lastly, what about number 17, Beasley, Shaq Harrison, Tristan Thompson, whoever's contracts you need to add to this to make it work. Number 17 and Beasley, maybe Bamba's involved, to the Charlotte Hornets for their number 27th pick and Terry Rozier. No, Um, no, no. (laughs) Terry Rozier, because they they, they need to get rid of that guy. Now, the problem is it's either going to be Terry Rozier and maybe you don't bring back D'Angelo Russell or maybe even a worse scenario where you have Terry Rozier and D'Angelo Russell and that's pretty expensive, but maybe you could view Rozier as the Schroeder replacement, just a very expensive one. But yeah, number 17, Bamba, Beasley, Beasley, whatever for number 27 and Terry Rozier. I'd say no, just because I I don't think it's possible to, I mean, I'm not even talking financially. I just like logically and logistically, like keeping... Not just D'Lo and Rozier, but D'Lo, Austin, and Rozier. That's, like, a lot of money for guards. Um, yeah. And none of whom are, like, all-stars, right? So, like, I would probably say no on that one. Okay, I agree with you. I think if you had, like, Rozier at $5 million, it would work as the Dennis yeah, Schroeder replacement, yeah, yeah. but not oh, Rozier absolutely. at 24. Really yeah. 
<laughs> okay, my last one in this category, and this is I'm gonna go out and say it. this is my perf this is my personal favorite, my hipster favorite. But this is number seventeen, Mo Bamba to the Wembanyama Spurs, Tommy. Oh four. Number thirty three, their number thirty three pick in the second round, and Zach Collins. So oh, this is this is hipster. I need your explanation. Okay. I had Zach Collins this year in fantasy basketball, and when they traded away Jakob Pertl, they traded away Jakob because they knew they were ready for Zach to just be the main starter at center. And here is what Zach averaged post All-Star break. 28 minutes, 16.7 points, 7.9 rebounds, 3.6 assists, 48% from the field, 39% from three, hitting 26 of 66 from three. 81% from the line. He was just really fucking good. So everything you said about Kelly Olynyk, but put it in a more athletic body, i.e. Zach Collins. And yeah, outside of the fact that he also averaged one steal and one block a game during that stretch too. And before they drafted for Wembanyama, Greg Popovich already said, Zach Collins is our starter for next year. And even with Wembanyama, Zach Collins may still be their starter because Tommy, I don't think Wembanyama's a center just yet. So true what are your thoughts on zach collins in the number 33 pick zach collins is a number uh excuse me he's a number a former number 10 pick he's a good player um when the spurs signed him not this past not last summer right so not summer 2022 but summer 2021 it was sort of viewed as like kind of a steal but part of the reason they got that steal is because he missed like effectively two seasons with injuries so he's young you, it's hard to hold injuries against someone, especially as a young player. It's like could be fluky, right? His first two seasons, he played 66 games and 77 games. This past season, he played 63 games. You know, once he came back from sort of his injuries and maybe some rotational changes happened, like you mentioned with the trades. But he is an extremely, extremely good player. And I think, you know, to your point, it's like it is a hipstery pick because he hasn't really shown that like consistently for like a contender. I just don't, I think it's too big of a risk is the thing. I do think that like the Spurs would be into something like this. Like even though Wemby is not a center right now, why not just bring in as many first round picks as you can get, Um, especially higher first round picks and really go earnestly like all in on this like Jeremy Sochan, like Victor (laughs) Wembyana like rebuild that you're trying to do. Um, I could see them being intrigued by something like that. I just think to give up that that valuable of a pick for a guy who's sort of a question mark health wise is a little bit tricky. But like yeah. Zach Collins doing what he did, like forget that even that stretch after they traded Jakob, right? Like his whole season stats are phenomenal. He shot thirty seven percent from three, taking two a game, like fifty two percent from the field. He averaged twelve and six, and he's like a strong body, like. I would like to know what his rim protection numbers look like because he doesn't get a ton of blocks, but he's so strong. I feel like he impacts the game on that side anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really like him as a prospect. I just think because of the health, I'd, I'd be wary. Yeah, I think the line of thinking is correct, right? Um, yeah. But, yeah, exactly. And I think my counter to, to my own point is the fact that Zach Collins is on for just $7 million this next season, and you're going to have to make a decision on him 
shortly after that, right? So I feel yeah. like if he was more cost controlled at $7 million for the next three years, I'm like, yeah, sign me up. We could get real value. But then after this season, if he actually shows out like we expect him to, it's like, oh God, we got to pay Zach Collins $20 million too next year, you know? So yep. um, that's probably why I wouldn't do it. But yeah, it's an interesting thought. Okay, for the last portion of this episode, we're going to run through this really quick. I'm going to give you options, Tommy, where we don't get any pick back. No first-round pick in this year's draft, okay? We're going to rely on just drafting someone at number 47 because we're going to make this move for supposedly a more sure player. Are you ready for these? Yes. I mentioned it at the top as an example, but quickly, would you do number 17 in Bamba for Alex Caruso? The Bulls don't have a first, but let's say it's number 17, Mo Bamba, for Alex Caruso in a future second. Would you do it for Caruso, who has two more years? I think his next year after this one is partially guaranteed, but essentially two more years at like $9 million. Number 17, Mo Bamba for Alex Caruso. No pick, but maybe a future second from the Bulls. I do that one. I think like Caruso, he... If we're keeping, you know, D'Angelo, if we're keeping Austin Reeves, I think Caruso fits in really nicely with those guys a lot better than uh, Schroeder does currently. I think he obviously has the size, but he is like a legit elite, like all NBA defense caliber player. Like he's not just activity over, you know, results. He is like activity and results. And and like, you know, he he is who he is offensively. He's a little bit limited. But he's also a high IQ player. He doesn't turn the ball over that much. He's enough of a threat of a corner three to where you have to kind of close out on him. And if you do, he could put the ball on the ground in Ham's system. I think he was sort of limited, right, in Vogel's system because if he wasn't hitting his spot-up threes, he was fairly useless. But his synergies with LeBron as a cutter, I think, and like as a guy who can put the ball and attack the rim. Like I'm not, he's not going to cross you up. Right. But to like catch pump fake and drive in a straight line to the rim and attack, you know, opposing defenses, especially when there's no rim protection, like that type of player for us right now would make all the difference. And, and you can find, I mean, just like, look at the, look at the minutes breakdown in the Denver series, right? Like imagine if Caruso was in there instead of Schroeder like that, that is like series changing um, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would love Caruso back, and I think it would be a great redemption story for Caruso and Lakers fans to have that happen. My only concern is I feel like the number 17 pick is a little bit too rich for Caruso. If this were a pick 25 to 28, I'd be willing to trade for Caruso, or if the Bulls had a later pick to give us, even an early second rounder this year, then yeah, I would trade for Caruso 100%. I would still probably do it, number 17 and Bamba for Caruso, but it would make me hesitant. And right now, I think I would say a soft no, just because this draft is really good. And number 17 is like right outside of the lottery. True. And so it gives me hesitation and pause to trade that for a Caruso who's going to be 29, 30 years old at this point and at the tail end of, not the tail end of his career, but more at the tail end than he is at the start. So that would be my only pause and concern for Caruso. Um, Okay, moving on. I'm going to give these to you actually in segments and you can just comment on which ones you like and rank them so we can speed up the pace a little bit. So in this first section, I'm going to give you quote-unquote stars or... I don't want to call them stars, but let's say starter level players, okay? Okay. And sorry, before I start, 
I should again reiterate that if we get any of these players because they are likely making 24 to 26 million dollars, D'Angelo Russell will likely not be retained. So just keep that in mind. Okay, number 17, Beasley, Mo Bamba to the Golden State Warriors for Draymond Green. We get no pick back. Okay? Oh, do you want, okay, if you want to comment, you can comment. No. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Are you afraid of it happening, though? Yes, very. <laughs> I think, like, Bob Myers, right? Like, the writing's kind of, you're sort of seeing it come into focus, and it's scaring me. Like, Draymond with his podcast. I mean, the Warriors fans have seen this, right? Draymond loves LeBron James. It's like his boy. Like, it's like, he, he. I, it's like this weird relationship where it's like Draymond loves LeBron, and, like, LeBron thinks Draymond's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's kind of interesting, and, and they are really tight. I think LeBron would be on board. I think Draymond would be on board. I don't think Draymond cares to stay and continue that dynasty if Bob Myers is not going to be there because I feel like Bob Myers is the guy that brought him in and the guy that they have a mutual loyalty to each other. And I think if I was Draymond, I'd be like, I don't know what this new guy's going to do with me at the trade deadline as an expiring contract. I don't know what this guy's going to do after my contract's up and it's time for an ex- like a new contract. Like, I know what Bob Myers might do, but I don't know what whoever the new guy is, is going to do. Um, in what direction they're going to go. So I feel like I could see this scenario where like they try to force, he tries to force his way here and the Warriors are like obliged because they get like a pretty solid pick out of it. Yeah, I'm afraid of that too. I would only do it if like they give us Moses Moody for some reason along with Draymond, but I don't know why would they need, would do that. We would need some sort of like, yeah, some sort of like ta- young talent piece. Yeah, but I would stay away from that. Okay, next one. Number 17, Malik Beasley, Shaq Harrison for a familiar trade target, Tommy, Miles Turner, two more years, $20 million each year, which is a bargain contract. But yeah, Miles Turner. I'd do it because he's still young. Yeah. I'm not sure why the Pacers would do it, but uh, I would yeah. do it. <laughs> so I don't there think you they go. would, but yeah, I would do it. Yeah. Okay. Another familiar trade target, Tommy. Number 17, Malik Beasley. We don't even need... Yeah, Mo Bamba in this scenario. Number 17, Malik Beasley for Gary Trent, who exercises his player option of $18 million this next year, but is essentially an expiring. But would you do it for clutch client Gary Trent, number 17 pick? I would also, I think, because he's a young player. And so it's like you're at least getting that that sort of upside back out of it. And I he I think he plays more defense even than, you know, Buddy Heald does, is a little bit taller yeah. as well. He's a little bit shakier of a three-point shooter, especially if you look at the percentages this season. But historically, Gary Trent is a good three-point shooting, versatile uh, guard. Um, okay, my last one in this category of like surefire star players would be number 17, Malik Beasley, Mo Bamba for DeMar DeRozan, who's making $28 million next year. Would you do it? No D'Angelo Russell. DeRozan essentially also replaces D'Angelo Russell and you give away the number 17 pick. He's the only non-young player I think I would do something like this for just because I think he would feast in this system. I think he is not, if he's famously not a perimeter shooter, okay, or perimeter meaning like three-point shooter. He can, obviously, he's money from the mid-range. But he's enough of a threat, especially from the corners, that you have to at least look at him. And he's high enough IQ that he can like use the spacing to get himself in the mid-range, which is where he wants to operate. We also run a lot out of the post, mid-post, in this offense, which is his bread and butter. 
he plays defense. He's sort of an Iron Man. He's like consistently over, you know, like at least high 60s, over 70 games, like a lot of like the last two years, 74, 76. He's had five seasons in a row of shooting close to 50%, like 48 to 50 plus percent, five years in a row, um, five seasons in a row. So like, I, I think like that's the type of player that can push you from where we are currently, like over the edge. I think we don't know what LeBron and AD are going to look like next year. D'Angelo, we it remains to be seen if he's going to be consistently that third type of guy. DeMar can easily consistently be that third type of guy, in my opinion. I agree with you. I'm scared at the spacing being mucked up again, even though DeMar is a mid-range sort of guy. I'm afraid that he might not even be able to get to the mid-range because it's so packed in. You're right. He'll still take it to the basket if that's the case. He will help us stem the tide over an 82-game season. I... I'm going to veer towards no here because the number 17 pick I feel like is too rich. And I'm just afraid, even though I know this is better optically and just on the court wise than the Russell Westbrook trade, it just, I'm just getting PTSD all over again. You know what I mean? Like, we're, well, I forgot what pick we traded. 20, number 23 pick and second rounders for Russell Westbrook, right? I don't feel, I, again, they're not the same players. DeMar DeRozan will definitely help more. He is more of a number three option, yada, yada. He's not making $47 million, so that's important. But, to me, I feel like we could find our next DeMar DeRozan with the number 17th pick, and I'd rather go that way. Um, so yeah. Okay, this last batch, Tommy, are, are going to be younger players. Uh, again, this is number 17 pick, no picks coming back. Your thoughts on number 17, Mo Bamba, Shaq Harrison. For the Washington Wizards, Daniel Gafford, who's making $12.4 million next year, $40 million over the next three years, which is kind of a bargain deal. But yeah, Daniel Gafford. I'd still say no. I, it's a bargain deal, but I think at 17, like, what are you getting? Like, a, you're getting like a guy who maybe not right away, but in a year or two years, you're expecting to be a key rotation piece who you're going to be paying like two, like cost controlled, like two, two ish, three ish million dollars per year for like the next five years. So it's going to have to be very compelling. I like the athleticism with Gafford, but again, same problem as we've talked about with some of these other centers, especially the ones who can't like space the floor. Like, you get the vertical spacing or whatever, you know, you, we like to call it with the, with the, uh, with, with his athleticism. But I, I feel like for the pick, it's not worth it. If we can get him for like a future pick or, you know, like just the contracts and like some seconds, like sure. But I, I just don't know about the 17. Yeah. I think I would say yes to this just because Daniel Gafford's still only 24 years old. You remember that dunk he had on AD in transition where he just like caught it from the free throw line. Um, And I think with the number 17 pick, let's say we're looking at Derek Lively out of Duke, right? We're essentially hoping Derek Lively turns into Daniel Gafford. And I'd rather just have Daniel Gafford now considering our timeline. Um, Cost control for the next three years too. So that's kind of why I would say yes. Okay, next one. Number 17, Mo Bamba, Shaq Harrison to the Toronto Raptors for Chris Boucher, who's making 11.7 and 10.8 the next two years. Malachi Flynn, who's making 3.8 next year, restricted free agent afterwards. Or Precious Ochoa, who's making $4.3 million next year, is a restricted free agent afterwards. So you can either have Boucher and Flynn or Flynn and Ochoa, who are both expirings and will be restricted free agents. But I guess the main question is, do you like any of the Toronto Raptors young core group, even though Boucher is like 31 years old? 
I wouldn't do it for any of those guys. I think mm. like Flynn hasn't really shown anything. Um, you know, Boucher, we know who what he can bring. I think he has some value, but again, 17 pick, like, yeah, it's a lot of uncertainty in that trade. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm actually most interested in Precious Achua, but you only have him for one more year, and then he's a restricted free agent, and you go into that whole Rui Hachimura scenario all over again, right? And that's without even having extended Jared Vanderbilt. So I agree with you. No to that one. What about this one? Number 17, Mo Bamba to the Atlanta Hawks for Onyeka Okongwu. Okay, I don't think the Hawks do it, but I'm actually a big Onyeka fan. Like, I think he's he's kind of a physical beast, and I think he's got like a lot of room to develop. Um, I don't know that he's going to get the time to do it in Atlanta with like the kind of bigger forwards they have there too. But like, I think I mean Onyeka was like a top ten pick like a few years ago, Mm -hmm. right? So like. These are the types of value trades when you're using the 17. Like, if for whatever reason they want to dump them or try something else with 17, you could probably get, like, another big wing, right, at that pick anyway to replace Onyeka. Like, I would take that kind of upside shot because we've seen sort of flashes of what he could do already in the league. Yep, I 100% agree with you. And Onyeka Kongwu, former USC Trojan, fight on. Okay, my last two ones are, well, I'm not going to tell you who, where, where they're coming from. So, my last two ones. Number 17, Mo Bamba to the New York Knicks for Obi Toppin. 25 years old. He is Obi on Toppin. for, let's see. Yeah, club exercise for 2023 20, 24. And then you have restricted free agent rights, qualifying offer rights on him in 2024. So your thoughts on Obi Toppin, who unfortunately was not used as much, even though New York fans wanted him to be used because, again, Julius Randle. So. Obi Toppin, again, another example, right? Drafted three years ago, top 10 pick. Like, he, I I frankly, I mean, I'm not, I don't follow the Knicks. I have no idea why this dude doesn't play more because he's like... Julius Randle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, he plays, like, he seems like a pretty smart player. He can hit some threes. He's improved as, like, a shooter, right? He's like, he doesn't want to shoot the threes still. But he's improved. I mean, like, he, he shot 34% taking almost four a game in just 16 minutes. I don't know why he gets so few minutes. I don't know if it's like a defense thing or if it's just like a, you know, Tibbs has been his coach his entire career so far. So like Tibbs is going to do what Tibbs is going to do. Right. So like, I, I feel like Obi Toppin is another one of these guys. Like if you've seen enough from his NBA scouting, like he's young enough that like you can reasonably use that pick to get someone like him. I, I would definitely do it. I think. Yeah. This is the guy that you mold into your like Kyle Kuzma or, Harrison Barnes or Andrew Wiggins, right? Because he has the frame and the physique, physique, the athleticism, et cetera. He's still young enough, so. And it's the archetype of player we'd be drafting anyway, right? Yes, correct. Obi Toppin, 6'8", for sure. Okay, last one, also to the New York Knicks. Number 17, Mo Bamba for Emmanuel Quickly. Emmanuel Quickly, I think, is super underrated. I feel like he could have, like, he should have been, I think he was in the, running for six man of the year his defense is like so elite he can do some things offensively he's like like Tyrese Maxey he was so good at the end of the season he's so good at the end of the season like I don't think they're going to be looking to move quickly but yeah that's something I would definitely do too yeah I think he had like 
a, a flurry of like 30 point games to end the season. I would absolutely do it for Emmanuel quickly. And there's your scoring guard off the bench. So yeah, I didn't expect to go this long, but these, I, this is the full threshold of like trade options. I feel like, I feel like if the Lakers trade down or don't trade down, whatever, make a trade on draft night, one of them will be in this podcast, Tommy. <laughs> I, I ran the gamut of, you know, trading down to get a first round pick or getting no first round picks at all. If, if I misfire again, I'm going to be so pissed. Cause feel like I covered it. What about you? I think you, I, I mean, some of these I was not expecting at all. And and so, but I think they like make a lot of sense. So um, I'm, I'm curious to see what we do. Yeah. If I didn't get it specifically, then the line of thinking was there in terms of the types of players we'd be looking at if we don't get a pickback or the types of players we're looking at if we decide to trade down. So use this as your template. And I guess the overall note here is that buckle up for draft night and this offseason because it's exciting again because the Lakers have so many options and so many angles they could attack this offseason with. And we have the assets to do it. And I think there is an opportunity to have our cake and eat it too in terms of still having a draft pick, but also still also reinforcing our roster and the roster needs for this upcoming offseason and into next season. So yeah, it's a fun time to be a Lakers fan. So with that said, stay tuned to the draft. And Tommy, I will catch you later. Peace. See ya. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.